All right, I want you to imagine having your dad set you up for success in business and then at a young age getting caught up with the cartel and then God having his hand on your life through all of that to even to the point where he's with you till almost death. You have an encounter with him, turn your life around, but end up doing a long time in prison. I actually had the pl- uh, privilege of doing time with Pastor Joseph Peterson. And he's a he's an incredible person with an incredible Jesus story. Stay tuned. We're going to do a background check on Pastor Joseph Peterson of Right on Point Ministry. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, go go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum. And this is a place where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. Thank you once again for tuning in and listening every week. We are humbled. We are um, just excited that we get to do this and that God has given us this platform. Listen, we don't take it for granted. And I'm, I'm having more fun every day, every week, every time we do the um, background check-in. I'm loving that. So anyway, it's always brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. We are excited about what's going on at Forgiven Felons. 2023 is going to be amazing, but God ain't done with 2022 yet. I mean, one of our new board members is just, man, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're also brought to you by Clarity Roofing and Solar. Call them today, 972-922-6434. Talk to my buddy Joe. He's a really good friend. He's put a roof on for us at our old house. And he's actually coming over to uh, talk to us about solar on our brand new home. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting, some of the facts about solar. So we're going to try it. ClarityRoofingAndSolar.com. ClarityRoofingAndSolar. The word and is all spelled out. Dot com. 972-922-6434. Call them and tell them you heard it on Background Check Podcast. And you want to either get a roof estimate um, and, and or solar estimate. All right. Also brought to you by... Uh, Union Houston, Pastor Rod and Sarah Vargas down in Houston. They have a, an amazing part of the body of Christ down there. Just incredible. Uh, and they 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 love us. They support us. And we are just thrilled to have them along. And also, uh, Social Dallas, if you if you need a home church in, uh, in, da- in the Dallas area, uh, my wife and I, we go to Social Dallas with Pastor Robert and Taylor Madu. Incredible. We're a mobile church right now. But we believe God is going to provide a building. But right now, if you're in the Dallas area, get to Toyota, Toyota, Toyota Music Factory in Irving. And that's where we're having services right now. Yeah, the big concert venue. So um, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Listen, I'm this is a two part series. Uh, so next next week is going to be part two of this. Joseph Peterson, Pastor Joseph Peterson, I met him in prison. At, at the Lockhart unit. And I talk, I talk about this in the first part of the episode, so I'm not going to talk long. But he's got an incredible story. And it's 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 an hour and 40 minutes long. 
but I'm going to break it up into two episodes and it's incredible. We, um, I love pastor Joseph and he was, we met in prison and we've been friends and we love each other and he's doing amazing. He's been out a little, uh, 16 or seven, uh, se- almost 17 years coming up, I think in January. And uh, he's been married to his beautiful bride, Matilda and uh, just incredible stories. So I'll do shout outs uh in a few weeks but thank you i'm i'm saving everybody that i that i get a letter from and we're gonna do shout outs on on uh, maybe two three episodes down the road all right but i just want to get i want to get this two-part series in one of my great friends doing great things down in houston right on point ministries check him out if you don't have a home church go see joseph all right i'll have it all in the show notes all right here's my interview with joseph peterson Joseph Peterson. Joseph Peterson. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> now, you go by another nickname, right? Uh, Duna. Duna. Now, now uh, what, what does that mean? Well, my mom, they have a joke they would tell about it, you know, and uh, they said that I had a relative who, because I'm a junior. Okay. And he would try to say junior, but it was like he was saying dunior, and they just went on calling me Duna. Okay. But, but for me... You know, I have a spiritual understanding of it. You know, we have the word dunamis. Dunamis. And so. Power, dynamite power. And so when my parent named me that, gave me that nickname, they didn't realize that my parent was naming me that. Wow. (laughs) Yes, sir. Dunamis. That is, that's the best, that's the greatest power right there. Yes, sir. And so that's where they come from. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes, sir. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, Joseph. I just uh, interviewed Herb Addison no, for the second no. time, round two. Oh, he was at the Lockhart unit with yes, us. Yes, sir. I remember his faith and, and uh, fellowship. And he says hello. Tell and uh, he wants a picture. <laughs> hey, Reggie wants a picture. Reggie McCoy yes, uh, catered our food. Yes. Sir. And uh, they both were, were trying to do whatever they could to get here just to hug your neck yes. because uh, you impacted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, while I was at the Lockhart unit, this man – started a, um, a spiritual movement at the Lockhart unit. I got there and I was already on fire for the Lord, but I wasn't really going on Sunday morning. And, you know, and, and, and I don't know if once I got to the Lockhart unit, cause I was going to Sunday morning at other, at other units, but once I got to Lockhart, I don't know what, what my mindset set in. I don't know if the work schedule, the chat lift work schedule, which you know was just, you know, a, a beat down yes, out in that hot, you know, I don't know what it was, Joseph, but, I didn't. I didn't go on Sunday mornings, and everybody knew me in in, in one Delta, one Delta. What were you in? Two Echo. Two. Uh, two. Or two Delta. A, I, I, two A. Two A. I think. Okay. All that right. Was a long time. <laughs> it was a long time yes, ago. Sir. Sixteen and a half years, yeah, man. I think it was two A. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know what. I don't know what happened when I got there, but I would just sit in my dorm on Sunday morning and, yes, and start, watch all the football pregame shows and. And I actually started going on Sunday night to to hear brother um, uh, brother Hall. Yeah, and uh, I loved him. Yeah. I loved him. But um, you know, one time at the Lockhart unit, the Lord really impressed on my heart the, the phrase "the next level." Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't know what it meant, but He did say, "Any, whenever you're ready, know that I have something for you at the next level, and know that I'm ready to bring you whenever you're ready." Yes. But there's going to be some sacrifices you have to make. There's going to be some people, some things, some behavior you got to leave behind on this level to go to that. You can't take it with you to the next level. And he said, so when you're ready to pray that prayer, that next level prayer, you let me know. And um, there was two times I prayed that prayer. 
one of them was while I was reading a book called The Measure of a Man. Yeah. And and I, I, I told God, I'm ready to go to the next level. He goes, all right, well, then start a Bible study with this book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Here in the dorm? He's like, nope, go to Brother Joseph mm-hmm. and ask him. And, you know, when I first did that, I wasn't, I wasn't really going to Sunday morning service at yeah. that point. And I'm sure that you had some questions because mm-hmm. here's this guy that you don't see on Sunday morning mm-hmm. coming and wanting to start a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And your answer to me at that time was, um, you know, uh, they're not letting us start any new any new inmate led services, so we'll just have to we'll just have to wait. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. He just didn't like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, long story short, man, I think that was in July of 2000, 2004. Mm-hmm. And then September two thousand four, you stayed late because I worked second shift, you worked first shift. You stayed mm-hmm. late and you said you walked up to me. I was talking to a guy named Ray, Billy Ray. You walk up to me and you just start smiling and, and you let us finish our conversation, which we were talking about measure of a man. Cause I had given up, I had given up. I was like, all right, it ain't gonna happen. And the Lord said, start believing again. And so I started talking about it again. I was talking and then you, you stood there and you go, brother gum. I'm just glad to hear you talking about it. Cause that's what I'm here to talk to you about. And you said, you said, um, uh, I got a time for you Sunday afternoons from four to five. And you had mentioned that that was an hour. You you had two to five, and you were just going to give me that four to five. And 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 I don't know if I've ever told you this, Joseph. Yes. But in my first thought when you said that was, oh man, I'm not a college football fan. Can can you have a time on Saturday? Because Sunday's football. <laughs> that was my first thought. Yeah. That's where I was in my spiritual journey. Oh, I got you. Not to be excited about that hour you're giving me. Yes, sir. But to complain because it's on a Sunday and it's going to enter with. But God was working me on my own journey, and you were a big, integral part of my spiritual growth by by allowing me to have that hour. Because you knew they weren't going to let us start anything new, so you gave up an hour of your time, and you just don't know what that did to me spiritually, bro. Because (laughs) when people saw me, because then you encouraged me to come on Sunday morning. I came once or twice, and it was still in the room. Remember when it was in the room? And then then we started busting at the seams and had to move. We were only in the room. I only went to the room twice, and then we were in the gym. So, uh, but anyway, I just trying to set the tone for everybody yes, before sir. I start letting you talk. Yes, sir. I want to just let everybody know how much you mean to me because you let me start that Bible study, and 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 that and that year, God rearranged some priorities in my life, and football was one of them. Yeah. Football was too high; it was too high. So you encouraged me to come on Sunday mornings, and then you encouraged me to come to your Bible study from two to four, and then you'd be I'd be four to five. So I'm like, man, that's a lot of football I'm going to miss, Joe. And you know that year, I don't know if you remember, but there were a couple of guys during the football season because they look around, they're like, where's Jaden? Because I was religious into football. And they were like, where's Jaden? And then they'd see me, you know, at lunchtime, and I'd tell them, well, I'm at church. I'm at Bible study. And a couple of them came to church and Bible study because they knew that if I was skipping football, it was for something good. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, but I, I thank you. That measure of a man Bible study went on for a long time, even after I left. And, uh, and so thank you. And the Steelers who, who, who were my team that, that year, I didn't, I didn't get to watch one Steeler game until the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, the Steelers were playing the Seahawks. <laughs> and I was waiting by the door at 530 for turnout. Okay. For Brother Hall. 
I was yeah. waiting at 530 for turnout mm-hmm. to go to church because my mm-hmm. priorities were different now. Yes. And everybody was yelling at me in the dorm, Joseph. They were like, come on, even God don't mind if you – it's a Super Bowl, man. It's a Super Bowl. And I'm like, nope, I'm going. And then the, the guard announces, church is canceled. Volunteers aren't coming. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. And everybody cheered, Joseph. I got to watch the Steelers beat the Seahawks. So, all right, I'm talking way too much now. I want you, I want you to tell us who you are, man. Who you are now, and and then we'll dive back into to who you used to be a little bit, who you were in prison, how God used you in the prison at the Lockhart Unit, and uh, I can't wait, man. Come on. All right, now, thank you so much, Jay. You bless my heart, brother. I'm telling you, you're almost bringing me to tears, brother, and you're definitely causing me to go back. You know, uh, thinking back on those days, and look, I remember you, man. I was telling my wife, I say, man, I say, Jay. I say he was really, I say Jay was a good guy there. I say he blessed my heart there. And the thing is, my name is Joseph Peterson, and uh, and uh, I am a child of the Most High yeah, God. I am on. a child of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm here today uh, extremely blessed with my wife, Matilda. She She's in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh I'm blessed with my wife here today, too. And uh, How long y'all been married now? We've been married now for about 16 years. Ooh. Uh-huh, 16 Congratulations. years. Congratulations. First time ever married, and uh, she is an awesome woman, and uh, I, I am a very, very uh, blessed man, you know, and uh, I... Uh, I have some wonderful kids, you know, I have uh, big kids and grandkids and we have kids, you know, uh, but uh, we're blessed. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. we're extremely blessed. Now, I've never got a chance to know how old you are. How are you? Are you my age? I'm actually 53. OK, so I'm 51. So we're, uh, we're close. We're close. All right, all right. We're close. And um, I've been extremely blessed since I've been home. I've been very focused, uh, st- uh, strategically focused. And um, I actually uh, work for a major company called Nationwide, which contracts with Volkswagen. Okay. So I uh, did a master inspector and programmer uh, for years. You know, I spend a lot of time on computers. That's my yeah. life, you know, pretty much. And uh, now I'm uh, going into estimates. And right. so uh, I've been dealing with estimates now. But uh, that's been uh, very lucrative for me. Yeah. You know, I've been extremely blessed uh We've been uh, blessed with the opportunity to, uh, to even open up with prayer in the morning with some of come the staff. On, come on. And uh, they look for me every morning. In other words, Monday through Friday, or if I show up on a Saturday or something, we hold a meeting every morning. Now, that's Volkswagen's way. And uh, they always, at the end of the meeting, they say, Joseph, they say, uh, it's your turn. So then I'd say, they say, let us have it. And I just, throw my hand up and I say, God is good. And then they say, now we can get our day started. And so, and it's a major, major company. So, you know, it's on the port of Houston. So wow, that's how that's been, Jay. Man, that's amazing. Yes, sir. To have that kind of influence in a major company. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. How long you been with them? I've been with them. I've been out on the port, uh, roughly about 10 years out there, you know, uh, and, uh, I've been with them, I say roughly about, uh, it's been 10, yeah, 10 with, uh, 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 with the companies out there. Gotcha. 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 
Awesome. All right. Yes. So now um, I know outside of fishing and yes, posting sir. those pictures of, of these big fish you catch, I know you also have a, a church. Yes, sir. All I'm, right. So tell us about that. I'm the pastor of Right On Point Ministries. Uh, the reason why it's named Right On Point is because I'm very biblically based. You know, I'm biblically based. And if I tell somebody something, it's coming from the Bible it's and it's going to be right on point. Right, on point. right <laughs> on point. That's it. I don't see it no other I kind of way. It. I love yes, it. Yes, sir. You know, uh, one of the things I remember is um, uh, there was a gentleman. I can't remember his name. I wanted to remember his name. Uh, he came to Lockhart. I mean, you were both were there. Yes, sir. And uh, he was... He was trying to stir up some doctrinal discussions yes, <laughs> and uh, brought it to our Bible studies and yes, brought it sir. even to the to when we all got in the, the gym and watched a movie, The Passion of the Christ, yeah. one time. And it was just like, oh, man. Yes, and, um, and so he, I got to hear you yes, um, defend yes, the sir. word of God. And, uh, and and that was that was really cool. Yes, I liked I'm I liked hum- seeing that. I'm humbled by that. And uh, one thing that. You know, I'm truly passionate about, passionate about the scripture, very passionate about the scripture, very passionate about the scripture. And so, uh, yeah, I did a lot of that. Sometimes I was a little too overzealous. <laughs> I <laughs> so, love watching those times. Yeah, yeah, so I had to, uh, I went to God a lot about my zeal, you know, because yeah, uh, yeah. I would get overzealous at times. And, uh you know, and st- uh, considering myself standing in the defense of the gospel, right. even as Paul had made yeah. mention of, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. All right. So tell us about tell us about Right on Point Ministries. What do y'all do? I mean, I know I know it's a church, but uh, what all ministries do y'all have? What do y'all do? Yes, sir. We have uh, Kingdom Men. We have a Kingdom Men. That's where we as the men come together. Uh, uh, that's the uh, first Saturday and every month. You know, and. Uh, we have our uh, youth service, which yeah. follows up after that. And then we have our uh, Proverbs 31 women. You see, okay. they come after that. You know, and so uh, we, uh, we're very focused on the edification of the body of Christ. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. so that's what the kingdom men about. We challenge, we, 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 we confront and address. You know, in other words, we're, we're not... We don't sugar we don't sugarcoat it or water it down, and so uh, we're very zealous about building up, you know, the men so and women and the children of the kingdom of God. Yeah, yes, so sir. good, man, yes, so good. Uh, and it's great to see uh, Lino, Paul, Paul oh, Landa yeah. there. You know, uh, <laughs> yes, Paul was another gentleman yes, at the Lockhart facility that yes, was uh, that was a part of our church, and it's just been it's been yes, it's been great to watch him in your posts. Yes, sir. So uh, so it's good. Yeah, I come down, and I, I don't know if you knew this, but Reggie, Paul, and Barney. Remember Barney yes. Steinberg? He passed away uh, last year. He had cancer. I didn't know. That. Uh, got him. Got him young, man. It's yes, just, it was it was sad. But but yes. well, all three of those guys were in my wedding. Yes, sir. Come and, on. And uh, you remember Chaplain Toussaint? Yeah, she yeah, came. We were she close. came to my wedding too. We were very. Do you know close. where she where she is? I don't know where she went. But when I left Lockhart. I really thank God for Chaplain Tucson because she, when I got over, I, when I left Lockhart, I ended up at a uh, facility in Bryan uh, College Station uh, where there would be a six-month stay there. Okay. And Chaplain Tucson had already called the warden before I arrived, and she told the warden, she said, take care of my boy. And when I got over there, the warden 
he sent his officers looking for me. And that man <laughs> took me at, up under his wings, oh, and I stayed with so him cool. all the way. Till so I it was left. like an FI6 program or something? Yes, or? sir. Okay, yes, right. sir. And I remember you got. I remember when you made parole, you, you actually came to me. I don't know if you remember this conversation. You came to me, and you said, now I'm going to make an announcement that I'm, I'm going to be going home. Yes, I haven't made it yes, yet. Sir. And... This this caught me off guard. Yes, sir. And it and it humbled me and yes. it scared the crud out of me too. Yes, sir. But you came to me and you said, I really feel like the that God is telling me to, you know, hand over the mantle to oh, you yeah. on this oh, church. Yeah. And it caught me off guard because yes, you had guys there that were hanging with you yes, for sir. three and four and five years. Yes. And I was kind of like, and I even questioned, like, what about them? You're yeah. like, like they already know that I'm. I, I feel like I can't disobey God. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the most times in my life that I just felt so worthy, uh-huh. so accepted by God, even yeah. though I was already on fire for God. Yeah. Whatever what it was that He called you to do yeah, for so. me was just uh, changed. Again, it was yes, one of those life changing moments for yes, me. Yes, sir. And uh, I owe a lot of my spiritual growth to you. Hey, I'm uh, and I don't know how that makes you feel, but I'm humbled. Uh, but I'm I appreciate humbled. all your and uh, the church thrived it yes. wasn't because of me no. uh because i grabbed lino and i yes. grabbed hill and yes. i grabbed right. all the guys that had already been going there even before i got there i grabbed them all and i said look you know we, we, we're gonna take this we're gonna do brother joseph right yes. and god right and take this thing <laughs> to the next level That's right. and uh i'd call reggie up there and he'd do yes. some uh, he'd lead some worship oh yeah yeah Come on. get him up there <laughs> he'd do some call and repeat you know that that, that kind where you, you, he says something yes, and everybody sir. says something yes sir. and we had some fun we had some good times i don't know if you ever know this but but the last Sunday that I spent in prison was yes, Easter sir. Sunday, April sixteenth, two thousand six. Wow! And I, I that was my last sermon, Resident. and uh, I had been letting other guys preach. Yes, sir. I, I was been asking other people to preach to kind of just give them, you know, some time behind the pulpit. Yes. And but I told him I said I said on my last Sunday I'm going to preach. Come on. And uh, and I sang too. <laughs> Come I sang, on. Man. I sang when God ran. Come on, brother. And I preached. Uh, uh, from Philemon. Yes, sir. Come you know, on. kind of the second prodigal son story, you know, That's right. about Onesimus and all that. And yes. uh, I tell you, man, Easter Sunday, the Come last on. Sunday I spent was Easter Sunday. It was crazy. And Come I'd on. done three years. Yes, sir. And I went in, I went into, into jail to start my jail sentence to, to, to prison. Yes, sir. The, the, the Tuesday after Easter. Come on. Now. So I was like from Easter to Easter. God, so, but, um, but man, all right. Well, life hadn't always been this great for you. No. And there's a reason that you, you, uh, you know, had to go this path. Yes, sir. So, uh, take us back, man. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? High yes, school? Were, were you involved in sports? What was yes, your family sir. life like? Uh, yes, sir. take us through that, that, that time, you know, that led you to prison. Yes, sir. So I was born in Houston, Texas. And, uh, you know, uh, my elders, you know, much of my elders, you know, they were born in Louisiana, you okay. know, Opelousas and Church Point. And uh, my family had, uh, you know, migrated here, you know, because uh, it was from the French quarters to Opelousas and Church Point, then here into Texas. And uh, so I... Uh, Grew up here in Texas, you know. I didn't. I would. I've never left Texas, you know, as far as my upbringing. And uh, I went to schools, you know, like Titwell Elementary. I went to uh, 
uh, Forest Brook. You know, uh, at that time, middle school, I went to, uh, I graduated from C. King High School. And so um, as I grew up here, you know, I worked for my parent, you know, my dad, you know, the majority of my life. What did y'all you know, do? My, young. What did he my do? dad was a very successful businessman. You know, he uh, started off where he had his own service station. That's when I was a little bitty boy. Okay. You know, that time I was just, I remember days growing up, you know, at his service station. And, uh, now, service stations were way different back then yeah, than they, they are now. Yeah, way different full back ser- then. Full service? Uh, full service. Oh, man. And, wow. uh I remember when the uh, big trucks would come in, you know, I'd come out uh, with a four-way lug wrench as a kid now and call myself, uh, when the big fuel trucks were putting the gas in, you know, I would go and try to turn on the uh, the uh, bolts on yeah. the, uh, on the uh, big fuel truck. Yeah. And uh, I remember those days. And, you know, that was my kid time at right. that time. But then as I was getting older, you know, my dad had a metal company right next door to that. It was called Live Oak Metal Company. So he went from the fuel station because he ended up losing that because of friends, you know, giving gas out on credit mm. and people not wanting to pay him back. You know, they don't pay their tab. And so he ended up uh, opening up a metal company, which was called Live Oak Metal on the street of Live Oak, uh, down the street from George R. Brown Convention Center. So we were there way before the George R. Yeah. Brown Convention okay. Center came. So after that, he had a, a rooming house, and then he oversaw houses for the uh, uh, for some Jewish families that we were really uh, good friends with. Okay. And uh, so that was a big part of my life. You know, uh, had this uh, Jewish family would drive up, big old Mercedes Benz, and they'd take me off with them. And my dad say, go help them. And, wow. he, and uh, then my dad oversaw, like I said, rooming houses for them. But then he opened up eateries like... Uh, one was called uh, Potbelly Joe's, okay, because you know, I'm Joseph the Fourth, and he named it uh, pretty much Potbelly Joe, you know, after him because he's the third. And uh, so then after that, he opened up. He had another restaurant that he took over. It was an eatery. It was called Chat and Chew. Oh, so wow. people would come there. I love these eat. names. Yeah. So I would. I Your dad was an entrepreneur, there. man. Yes, sir. He was wow. very much so. In fact. He was also a workaholic because he yeah. ended up dying in one of the businesses uh, where he just died. And uh, so uh, during that time, I was incarcerated when my dad died. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to get gotcha. out and come back and see. Now, what about faith? Church, did, was that a part of y'all's life growing up? Uh, that wasn't really a part of our lives. You can hear a lot of talk about it, but you didn't see the walk. Gotcha. You know, so it was just in words. Gotcha. Uh-huh. And... Uh, my family on my mother's side, you know, based upon uh, our Creole culture, you know, they were really big into Catholicism, yeah. you know, uh, and so that was uh, okay. the most was to talk about. Gotcha. It. Yes. Gotcha. All right. So you graduated high school. You, were you a good boy in high school or did you get in trouble in high school? Well, in high school, I didn't get in much trouble in high school. It was in elementary. You know? Oh, yeah. You're a troublemaker in elementary. In elementary school. Oh, no. What would you fight about in elementary? It anything and a, everything? Anything and everything. Bully mentality, all that stuff. I mean, just was pretty bad off. But what I was, I was a, a hurt person hurting people. Yeah. You know, and uh, sometimes I would do things as a kid. 
And uh, but I knew what it you know, I didn't I didn't find out till later what it stemmed from. And that was when God uh, revelated me in regards to that. But uh, so you talk about the hurt. So how, yeah, how hurt. were you hurt? What were you hurt by? Well, when I was a little kid, you know, my uh, dad and mom, uh, I didn't understand then what all the fighting was about, you know, but uh, my dad was very hoarse. You know, he was a he was a successful man business wise, but uh, he was very hoarse. You know, he's a young man. We grew up in somewhat what I would say for for me, you know, was more like an ideal home. You know, I had a father, I had a mother and I had two little brothers. And uh, what ended up happening, I remember uh, some of our family members would be over at the house, you know, and my mom would be crying, and I'm a little kid. I don't really understand why mom crying, you know, and uh, they would shut us out the room. Even the family would be in there with my dad and my mom, and they would actually be, uh, you could hear the fussing, you could Mm. hear the crying and all, you know, and all that. And uh, one day, what ended up happening, you know, I, I had the brothers that we would brush teeth together. You know, we would fight. We'd play together. You know, we'd fight on each other. We'd do all yeah, that. But, yeah. you know, that's what brothers, brothers would do, be doing. Yeah. And what ended up happening was that uh, I uh, remember our friends would want to come over and play. And my mom would say, well, they can go out and play with y'all only if y'all help them get in there and brush their teeth and stuff like that because they really was after our toys. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of toys. Uh, <laughs> uh, my dad would uh, stock us up with toys, you know, and uh, so what ended up happening was that one day I go off to my little elementary school, and when I went off to my elementary school, I didn't understand it, and I have vague memories of it, but I have some pretty good memories in a sense, and uh, my, I didn't understand why my dad's baby sister was coming pick me up from my elementary school. And when she came to pick me up from my elementary school, I get home and we had a little love seat. And uh, I saw a box and a lamp in the love seat. I was just a little boy and I didn't understand what was going on. And I was in, informed that my mother was gone and she took my two little brothers with her and Mm -hmm. she left me with my dad. Mm -hmm. So I recall times when me and my little brothers used to sleep in the room and uh, they'd be in the bunk beds, I'd be in the big bed and uh, I would have their company, you know, as a kid, scared of the dark, you know, and man, long as I got my brothers with me, we can do this. You know, I got two little brothers. And uh, what ended up happening was that now the room is empty And I'm the little boy who would sleep in the bed with my dad and my dad would leave my lunch money on the uh, dresser, you know, and uh, my dad's baby sister ended up becoming more of a mother to me because my mother had just disappeared. And so this went on for a while. Then finally, uh, I was allowed to sleep in the big bed by myself and, you know, which wasn't a choice of mine because, again, the scared of the dark. And uh, I remember I was laying in my bed, and as I was laying in my bed after the separation, you know, because the word separation was made mentioned to me as a kid, and I didn't even understand what the word meant, you know, separation. You know, it was a big word for me at the time. And uh, so... I'm in my bed and I'm beginning to feel the effects of what this separation meant. That means I'm in the room by myself now. You know, my 
two little brothers, they're gone. And on top of that, my mom is gone. And so I remember one morning I woke up. And when I woke up, I, was, I, I can still remember the effects that it had on me because I woke up. And when I woke up as a little bitty boy, I jumped up and I said, I'm mad mm. like that. But then I said, I don't even know why I'm mad. Wow. But, but later God would reveal why I was mad, yeah. but he didn't reveal it to me until I was in my 20s. But, yeah. but it led me on a very, very dark road, you know, uh, uh, but God was, uh, he revelated me and helping me understand, Joseph, the reason you were mad was because you were a child trying to process some grown up things that hurt you. And so I grew up mad. And uh, when I grew up mad, eventually I, I, I'll say I did a lot of hurtful things to others because I was mad, right. you know. And uh, when I would see, when I finally got a chance to reunite, somewhat with my mother and my brothers, I had this real mean and angry attitude. You know, I was very, very angry. Mother never came back to dad, mm -hmm. but it was just, I was mad, you know, yeah. and I didn't understand it. Um, so from that point, you, I was very, I became very suicidal. You know, I, I wanted to kill myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, my how, how old were you then? At that time, I think I was roughly about, uh, nine and 12 and 13 and it went on up into my teens and then my early 20s you know and uh my parent specifically my dad because i spent the most of my time with my dad and uh what would happen was that they didn't know that when they left the house you know i was always contemplating ways of trying to commit suicide you know i'd go raid the medicine cabinet you know, I was looking for a way to really take myself out. Wow. And so, but none of it, none of it was working. And so uh, as I got older, you know, I started getting my hands on guns, you know, and uh, I became very, very involved, you know, in the gun trade and uh, foreigners. Okay. And uh, I uh, ended up finding myself at one point in my, well, for a long point in my life, I became part of a cartel. You know, I stayed with a cartel for quite some time, you know, uh, both uh, Colombians and the Mexicans, you okay. know, and so I was a big part Strictly in the, in the gun trade, not drugs or anything no, else? No, drugs Just also. Drugs also? Drugs okay. also. And, and it's amazing how it came about. Uh, it may amaze some. I, I don't want to use the term necessarily amazing to me, but it amazed some. But uh, the way it came about, and I say it's very important that we watch, you know, be careful what our kids watch, right. you know, what they hear. And uh, but it started when I was sitting down one day as a kid watching TV and I happened to see Al Pacino Scarface mm. for the first time. Wow. Well, I was already angry. You yeah. know, I was already <laughs> suicidal, but. I gravitated towards that type of lifestyle. It's a natural progression. If that's what you're watching on TV and you're already feeling that way, you're already relating, it's just a natural progression. Exactly. And uh, what ended up happening, I said, man, I say one day I want to be just like that guy right there. I mm. say, but I don't want to do the drugs. I don't want to, you know, as far as using. I don't want to do the drugs. I don't want to do the drinking. I don't want to do none of that, you know, but 
I want to be just like that guy. And I saw the tiger, and I saw mm. his suits, and I saw <laughs> the cars, and I saw the women. And so I said, I'm going to. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And so I began to go in hot pursuit of that type of lifestyle. You know, I wanted to really tap into that lifestyle and see what that was all about. Still working for my father, you know, okay. at his place of business. But it came a time one day I had, uh, I used to run drugs out of town. And when I ran drugs out of town, I uh, started off with what we would call on the street wholesale drugs you know so i bought my first wholesale but i didn't go buy my first wholesale until i had negotiated some drugs for somebody else and ended up uh getting a um 38 out of the deal you know because the guy okay. didn't yep. have the money but he hocked his gun to me in a sense and uh, gotcha. when he did that i ended up with a 38 well when i ended up with a 38 i I uh, ended up in a place called, which they call in Houston, the Bloody Fifth, the Fifth Ward, the Nickel. I ended up out there, and I went with a little cousin of mine. Now, my little cousin was the mouthpiece. Okay. Me, I was the one that I'm going to shoot. Yeah. You know, and so, <laughs> so my little cousin, he, he, uh, he was good with his mouth, and he said, we were going to buy the drugs, and so we went to go buy our first wholesale of drugs together. And it was this guy that was there. He apparently was on drugs. He was very volatile. So while we were spending money with the dealer who we getting ready to get our wholesale from, this other guy was just talking about how he would take our money, how he would just he ought to just take our money from us. And so the dealer wasn't paying no attention to him, but we were. And so uh, my little cousin who didn't have a gun, but he knew I had one. He said, yeah, if you take this money, he say five of us ain't going to make it, you know? And so he felt like I'm getting ready to start shooting, you know? And so uh, what ended up happening, one thing led to another. I uh, started off doing uh, small hustling from the block, and then all of a sudden uh, I was asked to be a part of a cartel. When I joined the cartel, things got more you know, I don't want to make up words, but it got, it went to a larger scale, you yeah. know, things yeah, elevated yeah. to a larger scale. And so from there, I uh, started uh, selling kilos, you know, I'm uh, into huge amounts of money and drugs. You know, I had access to so much money that uh, I used to put money in trash bags. I'm talking mm. about, and uh, I, uh had much access to much guns and I'm already suicidal. I'm already with a bad attitude. I'm just really out there. And uh, what ended up happening, I had a hit put out on my life. You know, I've been in places where people were, you know, uh, it got really bad and people were freshly killed and everything. You know, I had been around stuff like that. And uh, what ended up happening after that is that I uh, stayed with the cartel, I sold guns, you know, I'm living my life, I'm thinking that this is the way it was, you know, this is the way it's gonna be for me, but I had it in my mind, you know, after I've sold enough, after I've done enough, 
I'm going to go and hide on an island somewhere. And I didn't want to come out. I said, I'm going to just put money in the music business. And I, <laughs> I'll come out. <laughs> you know, I had my own plan. But it didn't end up working that way. Uh, that drug life was a very, very hard life because even though I wasn't using the drugs, uh, I had encounters with people trying to jack me for the drugs, you know, trying to rob me for the drugs. I had a hit put out on me. I had got shot twice, you know, in one setting, you know, where they thought they killed me. Uh, but it was during that time that I had some supernatural encounters with this God that I would only hear about. Mm. You know, I remember getting shot. And when I got shot, I literally heard a voice saying, play dead. So when I got shot, I actually fell to the ground and played dead. I'm obeying this voice. And uh, what ended up happening, uh, the shooter, it was two guys at my door, but the shooter who shot me, he came in and I thought my life was about to end, but I played dead according to what I heard yeah. from the voice. And uh, next thing you know, the shooter didn't know that I had a family member that was also in the house that was standing there, and that family member was in shock, you know, that I got shot, and I'm laying on the floor, and this family member loved me dearly. Well, the shooter jumped over me and ran after my family member, and when they ran after my family member, my family member took off running into the garage and slammed the door behind them in the garage, but I heard a gunshot go off. And I thought they had shot my family member. Now, when that happened, I just cried out to God and I said, God, I said, uh, I said, uh, I guess I'm about to finally get a chance to die. Mm -hmm. That was my words as I was playing dead. And I said, God, I say, please don't let this man kill me. And I say, please, Lord, I, I pray that this man didn't kill my family member. And soon as I, first it looked like it, it was never going to end. I'm laying there in my blood. I'm playing dead. And uh, my family member, I'm thinking they got shot. And soon as I opened my mouth and said, God, I noticed the shooter was walking back towards me. But he didn't see me looking at him. Why? Because I, my eyes are like they're closed and I'm playing dead. Yeah. So he come to me. And when he come to me, he began to check my pockets. and But I had on these cross-color shorts where the pockets run real deep. And I know he was more, he was there for more than what was in my pocket because they knew my lifestyle, you know, yeah. to a certain degree. They had been hearing about it. And uh, so he was fiddling, fumbling with my pockets and he was saying, uh, where the money at, big boy? He said, I know you got the money. I said, I know you got money. He said, I've been seeing you. And I never would respond, and I continued to play dead because I was laying face down. So uh, soon as he was uh, fumbling in my pocket, you know, fumbling around in my pockets, I said, God, I say, please don't let this man kill me, God. And soon as I said that, he took his hands off of me, and he walked out my door. Well, when he walked out my door, I uh, began to take the long, one of the longest walks of my life. You know, yeah. uh, him and I heard a car drive up as he walked out the door. Him and the other uh, standby guy, you know, who was standby, he uh, they got into a car. I heard doors slammed. I heard loud music, and they drove off. Well, 
the longest walk I had to take was going look for my family member, you know, and I thought I was going to find them dead somewhere. And as I was looking for my family member, I cried out. I was calling them, calling for them. And as I was calling for them, I heard a faint voice come out of the garage and they asked, are you all right? I said, yeah. I said, are you all right? And then they said, yeah, I'm all right. Like that. And then I said, I went crazy. I said, yeah, I say, but those colorful words I use, I say those blankety blanks, I say, but they shot me like that. So from that point, it just caused me to go really, really volatile. So to mm. the point to where the guys who supposed to had something to do with my shooting, they even had begin to leave the state. You know, they wow. were fleeing out of the state because we had pretty much put a man hunt, a manhunt out on them. And so that went on for a while. But I'll say this here. As I was looking at my life and looking at how I could have died, you know, how I could have died and uh, how my life was turning out, I'm like, man, how did you do this? Because my, I come up out of high school, my, I could have went to college. I didn't pursue college because coming out of high school, my dad put me in my first business. He put me in my own business. Uh, he stocked, fully stocked my store and everything. I'm talking about stocked it. Uh, the name of my company was called A to Z Electronics. Uh, on one side of my business, he had stocked the place with all type of uh, computer components. Yeah. And, uh, with I mean, from computer boards, diodes, uh, monitors, I mean, you name it. He had stocked my store to the fullest. On the other side of my business, he had um, stocked it with all type of uh, heavy-duty electrical wiring for houses and buildings. I mean, big uh, spools of copper and everything. He wow. had me set up really, really nice. And he said, he called me Lil Joe, but he said, Lil Joe, the reason I did this is so you wouldn't have to go work for nobody mm. else. But I, I know it might sound kind of awkward the way I'm putting it all together, but he, uh, he ended up, uh, his dreams that he had for me wasn't my dreams. During that time, I had put out music, you know, because and I had put out a successful album at that time. So my overall desire was to get in the music business. But I was trying to get there in my mindset by all means necessary. You know, and so that's where the drugs and the guns and everything came into play. Well, finally, I started making a lot, a lot of money with the drug business. Uh, and as I was making more and more money, you know, more and more money with the drug business, I came to a place where I just begin to feel empty. And uh, I'm still mad, I'm still angry, and I'm empty. And I just felt like I began to actually say to God, even though I didn't have a relationship with him at the time, I began to try to talk to this God. I'd go to quiet places just trying to talk to this God. I'm trying to figure me out because yeah. I'm still mad. I'm still angry. And I remember my dad didn't realize how big of a contributor he was to the anger that I had because he'd see me frowned up. Yeah. And he'd hear my uh, constant threats to commit suicide. And my dad said, he said, well, he said he would call me Sonny Boy when he have that serious discussion with me. He said, <laughs> well, Sonny Boy, he said, uh, if you kill yourself, he said, yeah, son. He said, I love you. He said, I'm going I'm gonna cry for a while. He said, but then after you kill yourself, he said, 
I'm going to be okay, he said, but you're going to be dead like that. He said, I don't want that for you. But then he'd look at my face and he'd say, man, do you have to stay frowned up like that all the time? He said, your face is going to get stuck like that. So I remember these things. But coming to where my life uh, changed, Jay, uh, it, it went here. You know, I began to feel like really, really empty. And I was just still like really, really mad. And I was, I couldn't understand me. And I had hurt a lot of people, you know, because I was just angry. I was just mad. Yeah, I was a hurting person, hurting people. And uh, I could lay in my bed and I would have stacks and stacks of money. I can leave the country. I can go wherever I wanted to go. I could leave, you know, but I was, I felt imprisoned in my home having suicidal thoughts. And I remember I had got a 14 shot nine millimeter when I first joined the cartel. They had uh, they had their own gun shop. And I remember they gave me a real interview, you know, like I was really being interviewed wow. for a job. And I remember I was uh, asked to come out after the interview and they saw that they would go ahead and accept me, you know, accept me into their organization. They asked me to come out to a gun shop. So I went out to the gun shop and I went to looking at all these guns. And keep in mind, I used to sell them, so I know pretty much what I was yeah. looking at. And so I went there with an entourage and I began to look at the guns. And as I was looking at the guns, he was in the back room somewhere, you know, but they were a very organized organization. You didn't see the other people that were looking at you you know, from the toy stores and stuff right. like that. They were very established. Yeah. And so as I was looking at the guns, the gentleman, well, the the, the mobster who had interviewed me, I don't <laughs> want to say call gentleman, gentleman, no, no, no. Uh, but the mobster who interviewed me, he came back to the counter and he said, you like these guns? And I say, man, I love these guns like that. Then he say, choose any one of them you want. And so I chose the one with some help from the entourage I came in with. They say, this is a good one. You know, get this one. So I ended up getting that gun, and that gun literally became like a part of my body. Mm. I'm talking about I'd be in the bathtub, and while I'm in the bathtub, I got a towel in one hand, and I got the gun in the wow. other hand. I'm talking about the gun getting wet with the bath water and the soap, and... In this particular bathroom, there was only one way into this bathroom. Mm -hmm. So I'm bathing with one hand, bar soap and a towel, and I got the gun pointed towards the door at the wow. same time because I never knew if somebody was going to kill me. That's my just window. how you had to live at that I time. I was living that way, man. And uh, coming to my chain, it, this is where my change came about. I ended up uh, opening up a business, I mean, a beeper business. I got into beepers when beepers were really, really good. I was putting music in, I mean, money in the music business, even as I had intended, you know, because I really had me a plan. My plan was to retire off to some island yeah. and don't come out unless I'm coming <laughs> to support my music people and different stuff like that. So I ended up... Uh, uh, Opening a beeper business, and when I opened up the beep, uh, beeper business with some family members of mine and, and with some mobsters I knew, you know, uh, I began to run this beeper business thinking that, well, maybe this might be 
a way out. And the cartel, they had begun to talk to us about, you know, we've done this long enough. It's time to come out. So they were trying to clean this money up. They began to open up beeper businesses. Uh, beep, the, uh, the beeper business they got into uh, was very lucrative for them and became for me too. Well, what ended up happening was that uh, I began to do that and we were trying to get out, but the money was just, it was very tempting. You know, this beeper business money is good, but we see something more better, you know, from a mobster yeah. standpoint. So we ended up, um, I got introduced to another way of uh, getting drugs where I didn't have to, I didn't have to touch them, you know, getting them to the places where I wanted to get them to and where I would get paid just for showing my face and bringing Americans and foreigners together. So I began to do that, you know, and uh, as I had begun to do that, I thought that, man, this is the life. You know, I, I don't have to touch nothing. All I have to do is show my faith. All I need to do is let the, uh, the people from the cartel know where I need this to go and they were gonna get it there. Hmm. And all I needed to do is just get there. Right. And and then I'll let them know who it is I want them to see and you know how the monies would be exchanged and the drugs would be exchanged. So I did that. But then I'd get back to Houston because we'd go different places and uh, I'd get back to Houston and I'm like, I'm feeling really empty. I feel bad, you know, I don't, I don't feel complete. I got the money, I got the things I love, you know, yeah. things I enjoy, my cars, you know, I'm I'm living life, but I feel so empty. Yeah. So I'm gonna show you what happened. This is where my life changed here. This was this was the turning point for me. I uh would run my beeper business. It, it went on for three days, three days, three nights. In the daytime, I would go run my beeper business. Well, while I'm running my beeper business, seemed like everything is good in the daytime. But all of a sudden, I get in my car and I'm headed home. And as I'm heading home, I constantly heard this voice over and over and over again, all the way home. It it was in the uh, month of uh, it was in the month of May of 1995, and I'm heading home. And as I'm heading home, I just I just kept hearing this voice saying something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. So I'm driving home. Now, I wasn't feeling this way in the daytime <laughs> at the beeper shop, but I just kept hearing something is about to happen. Mm. Something is about to happen. So it went on on May the 7th of 1995. I remember that so clear. Something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. So I would get home, and when I would get home, I got my 14-shot 9-millimeter, because remember, I kept that like a yeah. part of my body. So as I'm backing in to try to get my car parked, I just kept hearing something is about to happen. So I'm looking in my rear view. I'm pulling out. I'm backing in. I'm pulling out. I'm backing back in. But I just kept hearing it. So then finally, I'll park my car, and I'll park and I'll pull my gun out and I'll say, man, I say, I'm tripping. <laughs> and I know I wasn't on drugs. I wasn't on drink. You know, that wasn't me. You know, it wasn't my character. And so I would get out my vehicle 
on the seventh May of uh, the seventh of nineteen ninety five, and I'm walking up to my place, and as I'm walking up to my place, I'd get in my place and I'd fall on my knees and I'd say, God, not having a relationship with him, but I'd fall on my knees and I'd say, God, please, I say, forgive me. I said, please slow me down. Slow me down. That's a great point to uh, to stop this this two hour, almost two hour testimony. But um, man, it's incredible. You you gotta you gotta listen to the next episode next week. We'll bring him back for part two. And uh, and listen, I just want to I just want to end with prayer real quick. Uh, thank uh, thanks again for listening. Listen, we got a few letters in, you know, and I know everybody's struggling. I'm struggling right now because I just got a notification that one of the prisons that I was going to be going to next week, this coming next week, uh, is on lockdown, and they're going to be on lockdown for a while. Uh, I think they're going to try to install the tablets during that time, so it's going to be an extended lockdown, and it might go through Christmas. And so, y'all, y'all just if you're on, listen, if you're on lockdown right now, and you're in a state that has lockdown, annual lockdowns, shakedowns, whatever. Um, and you can, I don't know if you could hear this while you're on lockdown, but I'm just lifting everybody up, uh, right now in prayer that's on lockdown or any kind of, any kind of closed custody, or I don't know. Um, I don't know who all gets to hear this. If you're on a death row and you have tablets, you know, write, write in and let me know. I don't know if you have that ability, but write in and let me know. Um, and I just, I, I just want to lift you guys up in prayer today so and that's all um god thank you for the people that are in prison and lord thank you for everybody out here too that are on 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 some kind of emotional lockdown financial lockdown uh i don't know lockdown we were on lockdown for covid lord but i just pray for everybody that feels locked down in life like the devil's got them locked down a relative's got them locked down. Finances has got them locked down. Lord, I pray for everyone that feels that way and those that are actually locked down in prison. Lord, I lift the, the country of China up to you, who's kind of like on lockdown, the whole country. It's crazy what's going on over there. But, Lord, I, I learned so much in the eight days that I was in lockup and I was on lockdown 23 hours a day. I learned so much. And, Lord, I just speak... I just speak life into into everyone that's on any kind of lockdown in here, uh, in there, and out here too, Lord. Um, devil, you ain't got the last word. You ain't got the last word, devil. Uh, Lord, I thank you for everyone who's going to hear Joseph's story. And we haven't even got to the good part yet, but we know, we know where where the story ends and where it picks up. And we also know that, that uh, according to Joseph, your hand was on him and you were speaking to him already in the middle of all this. So thank you, Lord. Somebody might be in the middle of all this. Somebody might already be in the middle of all this while they're in prison, while they're out here in their marriage, in the middle of all this, and you're speaking things to them. Lord, let them hear you. Let them hear you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love all these people listening. Keep them safe. Give them breakthroughs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast. Brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.